0: Welcome back, my friend. Today, we're talking about the greatest person who ever lived. That, of course, is who? The Jewish Jesus. And we're also talking about the Trinity. What on earth is the teaching of the Trinity? I want you to come in the Hebrew Bible, that's the Old Testament, over here to the book of Isaiah, chapter 48 and verse 16. And here we have... An intimation of the Trinity. Now, this book is about oh, two thousand seven hundred years old. Isaiah chapter forty-eight, and its verse, verse sixteen. The Bible says, "Come near to me. Hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning." So here, I, I is talking. From the time that it was, I was there. So here's one person talking, I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit, so you got the Lord God, and His Spirit have sent me. Now this is an intimation that the Godhead is somehow made up of three persons, but this is only an intimation. I want you to come over here to a clearer passage, and that is Matthew 28 and verse 19. What we're really doing here is having a Bible study, not seeing what a church teaches, but seeing what the Bible teaches. Matthew 28 and verse 19. You ready? Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the names. Does it say that? No. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There are some people in the Christian church, who deny the truth of the Trinity. If they are right, then this text should say, baptize them in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, baptize them, singular, in the name. We do not worship three gods. Let's make this very plain. We do not worship three gods we worship one God who is manifested in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if anti-Trinitarians are correct, this text is saying, baptize them in the name of the Creator and the creature and uh, a power or a thing. But the text says, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me try to define this so that people don't misquote us and we don't misunderstand it. We do not believe that the Trinity teaches that we serve three gods. We serve one God, and this one God is manifested in a person called the Father, a person called the Son, and a person called the Holy Spirit, and they share one thing in common. They have the same essence. The Word was with God, the Bible says, and the Word was God. He had the same essence as the Father. Now come over here to 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, and I've got to keep moving along. Second Corinthians 13, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So here you have the Father, the Son, and also the Holy Spirit. I want you to come now to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and then verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, probably the most important statement ever made in the history of the world. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So we came from the hand of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the self-existent God, Yahweh Elohim, said, let us, which is plural, let us make man in our image, which of course is an intimation that there's more than one person there. Somebody has said this, and this is a good statement. Love is an impossible exercise to a solitary being. God existed before the angels, human beings, anybody else. But God was love. And love can only exist if love is shared. And the Bible tells me that God is love. Now, how old is God? I like talking about this. How old is God? Scientists tell us, I don't argue with them, that the universe or the Big Bang which is simply a scientific term. Many Christians are afraid of it, so I don't often use it. So instead of talking about the Big Bang that they use in scientific circles, we'll say the point of creation. All the scientists in the world believe that this vast universe of two trillion galaxies came into existence thirteen point eight two billion years ago, 13.82 billion years ago, and God was there. He'd been there for billions and trillions of years. But that is wrong, because scientists now know this is not speculation. This is not a story this is not a vision I'm having. Scientists tell us that before the creation of the universe, 13.82 billion years ago, there was no time. Time came into existence when this universe was created. And so when you get back past 13.82 billion, billion years there is no time and the Bible teaches there was not a time but there was a something when there was no time take your Bible and turn to these two texts I want you to come over here to 2nd Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 2nd Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse 9 in the New Testament. The Bible says, who has saved us and called us for the holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Did you know that text was there? Before time began. Then if you come to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Titus chapter 1, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So time began 13.82 billion years ago. But before time began, God was there. Christ was there. Now, who can understand the infinite God? I don't understand the theory of relativity. I've tried to study it. I don't. I have an idea of the concept of E equals m c squared. That's the theory of relativity. We know it is true. That a substance that travels at the speed of light, time slows down, so time stops. We know that is true. I don't understand it. Then we have today. Quantum physics. Quantum physics is a concept that simply blows the mind. Concept that it's very hard to wrap the mind around it. Quantum physics. But I don't make a decision not to believe something because I'm too dumb to understand it. Now there <laughs> now, now listen, there there are many things. I don't understand. But just because I don't understand it, it doesn't mean I'm going to be so foolish as to throw it out the window and say, I can't believe this. How big is God? Well, our universe is just a little bit of his backyard. Our universe is made up of two trillion galaxies. How strong is God? How strong is he? Well, The Bible tells me, you think of this, Jesus Christ, the great I am. This is a picture of the Big Bang or the point of creation. If you can't understand it, who can? But the Bible tells me that the great I am, Jesus Christ, (sighs) he breathed. He spoke and it appeared. How big is God? So you think you've got big problems? You think you've got a problem that's too big for God? Goodness me, goodness me. How much does he know? He knows everything about everything and everything about everyone. How loving is God? How loving is God? Loving enough to become a man. Uh, John chapter three, verse 16. You know the text off by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is the greatest text in the Bible. You know why it's the greatest text? For God, he's the greatest person. He so loved the greatest emotion. He loved the world, not the chosen frozen, you know, or the frozen chosen. He loved the world. He loved every sinner, every person, the greatest number. He gave his only begotten son the greatest gift. The greatest gift. That whoever (laughs) the greatest opportunity, whoever, whoever you are, should not perish. To perish is the is the greatest disaster and the greatest tragedy. But have everlasting life, which is the greatest gift. So I propose to you, this is the greatest text in the Bible, because it talks about the gospel of Christ. Now I want to say this to the television audience. Listen to me, please. If you feel just weighted down with a burden and you can't go on, don't give up because think of how great God is. The greatest is still to come. Our best days are still to come. You've got a problem. God is a million times bigger than your problem. You've got a financial debt. Don't despair. God owns the whole of the universe, he owns all the stars. So the truth comes into our minds when we somehow can comprehend that God made us and he is almighty and he gave Christ. And Christ was the person who made the universe because he is the great I am. Which leads us now to this question. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Many people believe that the Holy Spirit is an influence or a power that is sent from God. That is wrong. I want you to notice Acts chapter 5 and verses 1 down to 9. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Spirit. Remember that, to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not your in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. And so God and the Holy Spirit are equal. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Then you go on a little bit further and let me see the next verse. Let's have the next verse. Uh, What happened? This man, uh, he dies and they carry him out, they bury him. That's what the text says. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter answered her, tell me, uh, whether you sold this land for so much? She said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Now in this amazing story of stealing from God. The Bible says, you've lied unto God, you've lied unto the Holy Spirit. So the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And he is not the Son. Is he an influence or a person? I want you to notice these texts in the Gospel of John, John chapter 14 through to 18, John chapter 14, 16 through to 18. Jesus says this, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Sounds like a person. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. He's a helper whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's a helper. He's not an influence. He's not a power, but he is a person. He is the person the same as you and I are persons. Now, if you come to John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, Jesus takes it a little bit further. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, he, you notice it's he, not it, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look at me. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a real person. And the Holy Spirit is God. He partakes of the essence of God. Sometimes Christians pray uh, in such a way as they think that they want to get the power of the Holy Spirit. They say, if we could only get this power, it would be better if the Holy Spirit got us. Because if the Holy Spirit got us, then we would have uh, the power of the Spirit of God in our hearts. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 says that the Holy Spirit actually troubles people's hearts. He strives with them. And the Lord said, Yahweh said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. The Bible says, I'm going to strive with you forever. Sometimes if you go to a meeting like this, or if you're reading the scriptures, maybe watching a television program, when the preacher is anointed by God, you'll feel something down in here. God will talk to you, not in an audible audible voice, but there'll come a striving in your heart. Maybe you're committing adultery. Are you breaking one of the other commandments of God. And the Spirit of God will strive with your heart. So the Spirit of God is the third person of the Godhead who comes to lead us to Christ and to strive with us. And Paul in the book of Romans says, the Holy Spirit has a mind. I want you to notice this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows, look at it, the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He is a person with an infinite mind. He is everywhere at once. He works in perfect harmony with another person who is called the Father and another person who is called the Son. And the three of them together make up the one Godhead whom we worship. The Bible says when he comes, he convicts us of sin. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I have personally felt his presence and his power. When I went to Russia for a great campaign in the year 1992, I was preaching to vast crowds, huge crowds of people, the meetings seemed to go on from early in the morning until late at night, I would become wrung out and exhausted. And sometimes before another meeting started, I would be as weak as a kitten. And as I walked out on the stage, I would feel literally a mantle of his power fall on me. You know what it's like? I was surrounded with love and warmth. All of my nervousness was gone. My mind was filled with thoughts and words that held thousands of people. I've seen, I've felt, I know. I went to Ukraine, had a tremendous campaign in Ukraine. Thousands and thousands. These are just some of the crowds the biggest crowds in the history of that nation attending this type of meeting. As I'd walk out to preach, and sometimes I'd be standing back in the curtains saying, Lord, please come. And as I walked out, I would feel him come upon me. And as soon as I walked back off the stage, I was weak again. More recently, we ran meetings in Moresby, Papua New Guinea, These are some of the people who were baptized. Thousands and thousands of people. But one night when I was preaching, I said to the audience, he is here. I can feel that he's here. And the audience, we had 150,000 people there. Some say, total outside that order, great stadium, another 50,000. nobody moving, spellbound. Why? Not by the preacher but because he was here. I felt I was surrounded in with warmth, I felt warm. I felt a sense of empowering love. and then uh, one night as before I came out to preach, I was meeting with the leaders of the government. I heard the crowd shouting, and I put my head out to see what was happening. And the people, 150,000 people standing, pointing up like this, and coming in low over the heads of the people it was a bird that didn't live in that part of the world a white, great white dove, flowing gently and slowly over the audience. I saw the Spirit of God come. He came back at the meeting. He came back at the baptism when we had the baptism. Reporters said, we saw him come in over the crowd. I didn't see him that time. He came three times to the meetings. That last night he came when I made an altar call because I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that God still works. 60,000 people came down the front, and you couldn't hold them back. Listen, I want to read you a poem. Run out of time. Doesn't matter. There's a line that is crossed by rejecting the Lord where the call of his spirit is lost. As you hurry along with the pleasure mad throng, have you counted? Have you counted the cost? What about you? Watching television, what about you? Living in sin. You may barter your hope of eternity's morn for a moment of joy at the most, for the glitter of sin and the things that it will bring. Have you counted? Have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost, though you gain the whole world for your own? Even now it may be that the line you have crossed, have you counted? Have you counted the cost? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together for our salvation. Christ became a man, wasn't the Father, wasn't the Holy Spirit. Christ uh, made a blood atonement on the cross so that we can be saved. But unless the Holy Spirit comes and brings it to our hearts, we will be lost. Therefore, what should we do? We should open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour. And we should do it now. Amen. Hi there, I'm John Carter in Havana, Cuba, this communist fortress. We're here to preach the gospel of Christ to the public, but more than this, we are running a school of evangelism and biblical studies for the Cuban pastors. 140 pastors coming from right across this wonderful island, and they're coming to join with us to study how best we can meet the needs of the Cuban people. The Cuban people are just the most wonderful people. They're warm, friendly. And I'm amazed that in the meetings every night that we are taking, that I think most of the people there are young people. Now, of course, when I say young people, I mean people up to, say, 35 years of age. (laughs) Uh, They're young to me, but they're so warm and they're so receptive. And when they come forward night by night to accept Jesus, They come with tremendous sincerity. So what a privilege it is to be here in the land of Cuba. But remember to pray for the pastors. 140 pastors are coming from Guantanamo Bay and other places right across this island nation. They're coming to join forces with us. Think of this. They're coming from Guantanamo Bay and everywhere. We're going to meet with them, study with them, pray with them, to devise the best means of reaching this nation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for being my special partner.